What's wrong with this thing? I think it's busted. Busted. Ladies, gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets, perverts, explorers of all kinds, welcome to uh, Busted Mouth on Q4 Radio, you jag bags and bag ladies and lady popes and popes on ropes and all that, every uh, single Monday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Q4 Radio, QUE4.org, streaming around the world. Take a shot if you're listening at home. Ah! I'm J.W. Basillo. Uh, as usual, that's me, hosting this uh, this weird Weird affair, part circus, part uh, support group, all party though, bro. All party! When's your cousin going to show up at the Adderall? The chicks are leaving. All the chicks are leaving. A new collection of poems. Oh, boo, not fair. Hashtag I'm mad about stuff. Weird start. Your mom's a weird start. Woo, all right. Who's hungry? I'm in a weird, I don't know what's, uh, it's been a week, y'all. It's been a week. It's been a bunch of weeks, all stacked up against each other. This week especially, though, been a weird week. Um... But you're here. I'm here. It's a Monday. It's colder than a well digger's ass outside. It's terrible. It's six degrees. Six! Six degrees outside in March. Because the world, because whatever. Whitney Lamora, I'm sorry. <laughs> not the way, not the fanfare I want to give you name, Whitney. Whitney Lamora, uh, the owner, proprietor, and local performance venue, The Martin. The owner and proprietor of local performance venue, The Martin, is uh, is our guest. She'll, she'll be here right around the run at 1 o'clock hour. I look forward to chopping it up with her. Uh, so you might have noticed there's no podcast last week, and here's why. I'm an idiot. Uh, as we were recording, the track was was not backing up to the hard drive. So uh, after the interview, the audio was was just lost. Uh, it just it didn't back up to the hard drive. That happens. Um, it's happened before. This time, though, I should have caught it. This one's entirely on me. It's entirely my f up. And the sad part isn't isn't my my defiling of the uh, proverbial pooch here. The sad part is 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 that I had this awesome conversation with my new friend Ellie Kim, and that conversation is gone forever. And I'm disappointed for us all. Please, if you get a second, check out Supernova Music. S U P E R K N O V A K N O V A. Shots, shots. Uh, Supernova Music. She's she's rad. We'll have her back. Uh, her stuff's available on most streaming platforms like uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, etc., etc., etc. You can also see her playing all over the city, including March 20th at the Green Mill as part of the Paper Machete Cocktail Hour. Check her out, uh, Ellie. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I, I wish things had gone better, uh, but I did love sitting down with you and definitely come back and hang out with me again. Um, it's been a busy time here in Chicago. There's a lot going on. In this, in this wild city besides uh, old love handles, the sad clown doing his maudlin puppet extravaganza. We got a winter that, that won't end. It's six degrees outside. Six. It is literally six degrees outside in March. Why? Why, Lord? Uh, uh, we just had elections. The mayoral runoff is going to happen, and it's going to be decided between two black women. The front runner, though, is a former cop because we can't have nice things. R. Kelly uh, bailed out by a woman who runs a daycare gross and weird and this week uh there is some light on the end of horizon uh this week mike doty of uh of soul coughing will be coming through town to perform in its entirety in its entirety the seminal ruby vroom album uh if you know it you you know it's important uh and uh he's coming by with his new band to do the whole album and that's exciting i got tickets uh, i it's the pick of the week pick of the week bringing it back uh is yeah you betcha i don't i don't know if there are tickets available i just i just don't know um 
I don't. I, I got the presale hookup myself because I'm fancy. Uh, everything's coming up. Love handles. Holler at your clown. Uh, cue the rock and roll. Almost. I. I apologize. I'm a little. Um, mm, uh, I'm in the, in the middle of a, a weird uh, 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 psych episode at the moment, so I'm. I'm working through this. I shouldn't tell you this, but I am. Whatever. I don't care. I'm telling you these things. Uh, I'm in the middle of a thing, and it's making me have a hard time. Concentrate and do a show, but uh, I have to be here because those are the rules. It's like a with champagne with my brightest diamond you listen to q4 radio qe4.org shot 1680 a.m in chicago uh streaming around the world all the time 12 p.m to 2 p.m every single monday uh just because i have to give you all the details uh that was uh, champagne by my brightest diamond i'm here with uh, my friend whitney hi whitney hello uh are, can you hear me okay can you hear yourself okay mm-hmm. beautiful that's great news uh why that tune I, I i let you pick the lead in i know um i don't know it's, it's good feels uh i've just been pretty much overwhelming myself with female artists musically uh lately and she's been a favorite new album came out this year and uh yeah it's a good tune plus i drink a fair amount of champagne so that's a good party yeah so why female artists um i don't know i think i i kind of struggled for a while to uh to really like have a musical identity like i mm. i liked a lot of um like pop punk in high school and college and it was all like Dude based. Um, uh-huh. And then I was, I mean, I was with a musician for a long time. And so it was not like my, uh, you know, a lot of, like I let him like drive like music choices and stuff like that. Sure. And there was a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we, that we had in common. And so, but a lot of it was like kind of frozen in time when we met. And so it, that was like right after college and all of that. And uh, St. Vincent kind of changed the game for me. And mm-hmm, so once mm-hmm. she started coming out, Basically, anything that I really, really attached to and anything that I attached to, like, especially myself, was all female artists. And that's, I don't know. And then I just have, like, a lot of homies who make female-driven playlists that I just steal from. So That's rad. Yeah. What, what's it like dating a musician? All right. So, full disclosure, we have a lot of musicians in here, right? And yeah. uh, I'm um, somewhat a musician myself, and uh, I've always been the artist in the relationship, right? Okay. So, you and your ex, like, you're both... 
uh, artist, yeah. right? But he's a music. Like, is it weird? Is there a thing? Is there a weird compulsion toward, um, like, oh, I hope he writes songs about me? Is that a thing? I, I don't know. Because, like, yeah. seeing it from this is a weird question, I get. But, like, seeing it from the other side, mm-hmm. I think the way that musicians feel about their partners, yeah. I have no idea how the partners actually feel about the musicians. Because I don't ask because I'm selfish. Sure. I, um, <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah, I I loved the dynamic because we were artists of different you know backgrounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always wanted that fantasy of of like love songs written about me, right? Um, and he's uh, he's a sad guy, you know. Like that's what motivates yeah. him to create is um, I have no you idea know, what the difficult like. stuff, right? <laughs> Who does? <laughs> um, and so anything that was ever created with me in it had like a sad air to it, or it was like just like deeply buried you know and so i i gave him a lot of trouble about it for for a long time because i wanted like that declarative like i love you and like this is your Mm -hmm. song you know um and so i definitely got it like in like within those years um there's certainly songs out there that like tell our story or highlight me in like a character sort of way um you know but Definitely not the, like, I'm playing acoustic guitar and, like, pouring my heart out in, like, that kind of way, so. Okay. I think it's really hard to write, because I never write about someone when I'm with them. Mm-hmm. I write about before I'm with them. Mm-hmm. I write about after we're together. Okay. Right? But it's really, for me, yeah. speaking for myself, it's really hard to write about someone when you're actually actively with somebody. Not even, like, honeymoon phase? Because that's where I feel like I'm just, like, blah, blah, just, like, barfing it out. No, I feel like it's, like, um, it's like putting your new relationship on Facebook. Yeah. Too soon. Okay. It's the feeling like, well, people are going to know about it. Sure. And then what if it doesn't work? You know, it's that's my own issue. Okay. But, um, I don't I always write po- like the I've all, often heard that throughout my life of just like, well, why don't you ever write poems about me? Mm-hmm. It's like I will as soon as we break up. <laughs> be a lot of them. Yeah. Tune in after that. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I get that for sure. I mean, I think I don't know. I I think it's easier for me to to create when I'm in that like wild lust, you know that yeah, that yeah, like yeah. early phase. That's when I'm just like, oh, you know, it's pure chemical at that point. Absolutely, and like I, I'm so like ruined by fantasy and books and movies, and I want that, and I, you know, it's just like yeah. so 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 ruined by it that that's all I want. And so when I am in that phase, or when I'm, you know, and when you're in a long relationship, you you do go in and out of those periods of times. I think when you're like super, super grooving with with each other and you're like, nothing's ever been better. You know, I know you so well. I love you so deeply. I think those moments are also really nice to create that. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I also haven't been in like a, like, I don't know. What's, what's the right way to phrase it? Like I've, I've not been like in an, in a nasty, like mm, sort of way in, in a really, really long time that, it's hard for me to like compare or remember like writing in like a woes kind of way, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it, more of that just comes from like personal sadness or personal like sure. before, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wanted it I, in, and I, I got it in in some ways. In spurts. So yeah, we've been. I've and you mentioned like the fantasy and how we've been ruined by it. Yeah. And I think it's so. So true. Like, we create this world of uh, big love songs mm-hmm. and big grand gesture movies and, like, books of romance and all this, like, stuff. And we get very – we get so attached to it that we think that that's how human beings function. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so nobody wants a grand gesture. Mm-hmm. 
but everybody wants a grand gesture. Mm-hmm. Everybody fantasizes about grand gesture. Nobody actually wants it. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to be chased through an airport mm-hmm. actively. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. It's mm-hmm. a terrible idea. I think I might a little. I kind of do I too. Can- <laughs> but every time, anytime someone does, women are like, "Don't, please don't, don't." Right. You know. Right. Uh, so here's a case in point. Yeah. I was on a choir trip. Jealous. Uh, <laughs> in high school, I was on a choir trip because you know I just couldn't stop getting laid. Um, sure. Not at all true. Uh, so I was on a choir trip, and we were watching. It was one of those um, coach buses, right? That mm-hmm. had uh, like a VCR in it with like bad TVs and mm-hmm. that thing. And the movie, here's dating myself. The movie was uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Perfect. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Grand gestures all over. And, the place. and you and I are roughly in the same age, so you remember when this movie came out? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, right? Deeply. Um, and I was in high school, and it was like senior year of high school. And then there's the scene where Heath Ledger, may he rest in peace. I don't know why I felt the compulsion to do that, but he gets up and he sings um, the Frankie Valley song mm-hmm. with the band behind him. Mm-hmm. And all the girls on this on this bus were just like, "Oh, I want a guy to sing for me." Mm-hmm. I was like, "We're on a choir trip." <laughs> We're all singing together. Every guy in here would sing for any one of us. Like, we're, none of us are popular. What it, we, we'd all do this, but you would. But if I asked you out in, in the cafeteria, you mm-hmm. would you would it'd be so embarrassed you'd never speak to me again. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that story went anywhere. I, no, totally. No, I, I absolutely. I think, there's, I think there's the reality of embarrassment, you know? I, sure. And, like, yeah, I, I totally understand that, but. It's funny that you brought up the, the airport thing because something that has been like a through line for me that I think is totally like a movie thing is like I when I arrive from somewhere at the airport by myself, if like my person is not physically there waiting for me out of the car, mm-hmm. I'm quite upset about it. Like, oh, it you is like a, that. Yes, I am. And like I don't need a sign. I don't need you to have flowers for me. Like I don't need that. But like. I want to come off the airplane and I want to walk down the thing and I want to have the person waiting there to like, like what's to hug me, you sure. know? And like, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, and that has been something that, and it's also, I'm almost 33 years old and I'm like working on my communication skills um, because people aren't mind readers. I'm just figuring this out. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's something that I've always just expected. And when it doesn't happen, I'm like, I, it's very, very hard for me to understand why it didn't happen. And then I'm just like, unfairly upset about it yeah i feel that yeah i feel that but so do you tell people that you want them to pick you up at the airport inside the airport like you want them to park and pay the hourly and go Mm -hmm. inside and sit by the baggage claim um if they don't i yeah that you assume that they're gonna do it oh yeah oh because i would you know like i would want to be there i want to be that i i'm just yeah i'm i'm a big grand gesture person i'm a surprise giver yeah i'm not like a i'll put airplane you know airplane smoke in the sky or something but like yeah i mean i knew we were going to talk about chemtrails i knew (laughs) you did say that going in yeah um so yeah i'm not like that but but yeah i want i i want to be the person to surprise them i'm i'm yeah, I, I definitely want to put in that effort, and so I just – I kind of want it, but, like, in this very, like, specific way. And um, this example that I that I always give about, like – I don't know. I'm type A. I'm a, I'm a bossy girl. Like, I'm, I'm not the easiest to be with. I'm, you know, I, I'm a lot of fun, but I also, like I, – I definitely, like, need to I'm, – I'm an alpha for sure, but there are certain – scenarios like with the person that I'm with that I really want them to take charge and one of them is so specific and so stupid but when you walk into like a busy restaurant and there's there's chaos 
and you don't really know what to do you don't really know where the host is you're not really sure I never want to be the person who like takes charge in that scenario like I want the other person to be like don't worry I'll figure out this social Uh, situation for us you know Um, and that's not so much like grand gesture but it's just these like fantasies that I have built up in my head and then when they don't happen I'm just unfairly upset about it (laughs) I get that yeah I fully understand that yeah Uh, you know what I just realized Hmm. we don't we haven't introduced you at all. Okay. Uh, will you, will you so give me far. the, yeah, right, for this part. <laughs> and of course, people know your name because, or whatever, but we actually, yeah. we haven't. So, okay. uh, will you give me the, uh, the 20 second of intro for yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Whitney Courier. Um, I am a artist, producer, creator, etc. Um, my main gig is, uh, I, I own and operate a event performance space over in Humboldt mm-hmm. near North and Western called the Martin. Mm-hmm. We opened our doors along with my co-founder, Laura Miller, uh, in June of last year. And so, um, yeah, we kind of do everything. So we help, you know, we both co-produce and co-run the, the, uh, the space. Um, and then outside of that, I'm a writer, director, performer, etc. General badass, etc. General words. General words, good for you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I want to talk about the Martin a little bit. Um, Not a little bit, but yeah, definitely. At least a little bit. Plus more. Uh, Yes, let's please spend 40 minutes discussing your space. Um, But I think like... As a person... As a person. Great Mm. intro. As a person that is a performer, we all... A lot of people I know have expressed the interest in like, man, wouldn't it be cool to have your own space? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to just run your own room and book your own room and do that sort of thing? Yeah. And I think that's a really – because a lot of us, you know, dealing with venues is one of, one of the hardest things about being an artist. Yeah. Specifically an independent artist is like mm-hmm. finding a venue, getting that contract, working that thing out, bargaining for rehearsal time or, or setup time or tech or whatever that is. Yeah. So I think it, it's really naturally like we were like, we could do it right. Yeah. We could do it the right way. Exactly. If I was do if I had the money, I would run a best bet. Blah, blah, blah. But you are on that side where you've actually done that, where you've created a room. Yeah. Why, first of all? Sure. Uh, I mean, all those reasons. You know, I well, I was producing my own like multi performer events after I kind of stopped the theater game. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's when I was going into event rental. And so any any other productions I was in before, I was never a part of that. Other than being a part of just like so many nasty rehearsal rooms and so many nasty theaters. Like sure. just being in rooms that, that people owned or rented or paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars in. Which just like piles of crap in the corner and just like... I don't know, just like <laughs> looking around. You, your place is fine. Um, <laughs> it just... I, I just would always look around and say, like, I just don't understand why this place is in chaos. Like, I just feel like there's a better way to do it. Um, and then once I started renting my own venues for my own events, there was just so many times that I would go into a room and something would be completely different. Sure. Um, something would be in the room that wasn't promised. Um, I threw uh, gallery shows before where there was, like, full art on the wall when we showed up that we had to work around. Like, just so many things where it was like, these are the basics, and I'm paying you hundreds of dollars um per hour like so crazy and um and there was so much like nickel and diming too Mm -hmm. um and so you know we were i i I was paying for it all out of my own pocket and so are we all you know mostly and uh i truly felt like i can do this better because this just doesn't make sense and this can't make sense for everyone and i would also look at these venue owners and for some of them would think how are you doing this like as your job why yeah, can't it be sure. my job sure. like so that's that's what like started me on the journey so what's the martin all about 
I mean, obviously, it's a it's a curated art space, yeah. right? But like, what's the point? What, aside from just providing a space that matters and that is clean and decent and yeah. uh, run from a um, conscientious standpoint, like mm-hmm. what? Why? Yeah. What's this one all about? What makes the Martin different? Uh, so what makes the Martin different is we basically want to be able to have anybody walk into the room and put on whatever they want within their budget and within their realm. So we we have this beautiful room that we haven't, you know, we've certainly built things to make it like a flexible and functional room, um, but we haven't really injected it with like the Martin is Whitney and Laura, period, the end, and you're just renting this little square footage of it. It's so flexible that anybody can go in there. Right, so it's not heavily branded. Like here, we, right. we do events here for Q4, and as mm-hmm. I'm starting to spend more time working for and with Q4, uh, we're putting together events and things, but like we're operating on, under a brand, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like everything that we're doing needs to fit inside of what we're doing. Yeah. Right? Um, but this space, like you'll take pretty much, I mean, not... I doubt you'd rent to the white power movement, for example. But sure. like the idea is, sure you would, or sure, I, no, sure <laughs> I would not. <laughs> of <course>. No, <laughs> no, but like you'll. The, but the idea is just that people can bring their own and, and really find a home in the space, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also about building community. And so, on top of taking everybody who comes to us and saying, like, okay, where are you? Do you do you have the budget to do this like hourly rental? Awesome. Do you not? How do we get creative around it? Um, and then also, yeah, building a community so people feel like they're a part of the space instead of just coming in and out for their one mission. Um, and we do that by, I mean, we have a multi, we, we have met many different ways that we're doing this. I mean, we're, so we have, we, we launched in June of last year, we launched, uh, with our, with our big launch party, we also launched what we call the Good Omen Club. So the Martin is, happens to be, it's not the reason we named it that, but it happens to be a, a type of bird and uh, they're a land bird. And so when you're, we did a lot of research, um, <laughs> we were fed a lot of research from Laura's fiance. Um, but uh, yeah, so when sailors are out at sea and they see a Martin, it's a good omen because it means they're close to home. So sure. we kind of ran with that. Okay. And so we have the Good Omen Club, which is a $5 membership uh, every month. And those members buy in and, you know, pay us five dollars a month we're like 17 percent community funded at this point so not only do they help us keep our lights on but then we take all of our events and give back to them so it's usually discounts or you come and you get a free drink um and it just we basically try to make it a home that they always want to go to and and curate events and put everything out there that we're telling this group of people in addition to everyone outside of that like you're going to want to come in here it's going to be a quality event it's going to be quality people and and yeah just providing everyone really like a home and a place to be the kind of thought is if you have an open weekend we're hoping that in general you look at the martin and say what's going on there how can i get in and there's probably something for me if i'm part of this group or if i'm not like i i'm still gonna get in so yeah and we keep running into that problem is you could put on the best shows in the world Mm -hmm. and you can put on great shows that matter to you and to the people and and really impact an audience and i feel like most of the people that i know and work with and certainly most of the people i have on as guests like are actively doing that they're putting Mm -hmm. on shows that matter to people yeah but it's still really hard to get anybody to show up Mm -hmm. like it's we don't if we were all in uh, Poughkeepsie or Council Bluffs, Iowa, or whatever it is, and you're just like, we put on this great show, people will come yeah. because they're because the the options are so limited. But in Chicago, like, there's so many live music venues, so many theaters, and they're all putting out work that's pretty damn good. Yeah. What? Do, how do we get people in the building? You hire the right people to to make it look great mm-hmm. and support what you're doing. Um, 
so in years past, you know, when I did previous theater productions and I did other work, um, I certainly worked with graphic designers, but it was kind of along the lines of like, please do this for me for free. For free yeah. Um, and the work that we, I was getting was, was certainly good, um, but it wasn't focused on us. And so before we started anything, we hired our branding designer, Jen Dorman, mm-hmm. um, who hired Jen Dorman, hire everyone that I'm about to mention. But, um, so Jen does, um, most people would know her work from Fly Honey. So she's oh, like, word. yeah, so she's the big. And they have a really rad, like their creative yeah. direction is really strong. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. And that's all her. I'm sure there's other people involved. I, I won't say that's all, all her. Um, but yeah, so I reached out to her, um, had plenty of connections to her, but had never met her myself and sat down with her before I even had a building, like before I had anything. And I was like, here's my kind of like baseline vision. And she was like, rad, let's do it. Um, so I hired her and I was open and I was like, look, I, before I, before I even started this journey, I was squirreling lots of money away. And so I was like, you tell me, like, I, I'm, you know, I have a, I have a financial limit, but like, you tell me, I want to pay you to do the right thing. And so she built out this entire branding book for us that included our logos that included just all of our color, our, um, our color schemes, our fonts, like she gave everything over. And it was like, it was such, such a good journey with her to just start, um, then from there, we hired Emmy Star Brown, who is a muralist and a painter who's been in my life for many, many, many years. Um, you'll see her work all over town. But yeah, she does really, really big work. Um, we're right down the street from Split Rail, which is a restaurant um, where I work. Uh, and she's done like a lot of their mural work as mm-hmm. well. But we hired her to do uh, like all of our branding and colors outside of our um, outside of our storefront, as well as our logo on our door. And so we're visually appealing from the street. Um, and that's just taking Jen's work and building on top of that. Um, and then in addition to that, Laura had a connection to just the coolest photographer. Her name is Nicole Batanti. Um, she came in to do promo photos of us just in our bare bones space. Like when we came in, we had like six plants in the window, Mm -hmm. a chair Mm -hmm. and like a ladder. Like that's all we had. And she came in and took these incredible photos of us. So by the time that we were ready to launch and say, like, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. We not only had these bomb photos of us. Uh, Jen helped us with this huge Instagram rollout. Emmy made our storefront look incredible. And so all of these women combined, it just, like, led us led us to this incredible launch. And so coming out just saying, like, we're legit. We didn't just put this image together in Word and, like, put some color in it or ask a buddy to do it for free just because, like, we hired the right people right out of the gate. It's a great look. Thanks. <laughs> um, I think, and yeah, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense. So obviously it's not, you know, Instagram is Instagram. The internet is the internet and you have to follow up on that. Sure. And so that has then been our journey. One, continue building on that work that Jen put together for us. Um, we've hired Nicole over and over to, because she does such, such, such good work, um, and really just honing in on all of those good, good people. Um, it helps as well that Laura and I both were performers in the city, producers in the city for years and years and years. We we had a, a, a friend come in recently who uh, is kind of thinking about going down the same journey, but she's like 22, 23. And we were like, definitely pursue this in like – five to ten years you know like build your community first sure because if laura i mean one i was planning on doing all this by myself so glad that i brought in a partner to help 
with me. And Laura and I, while our paths crossed, our communities were so, like, I mean, obviously, like, personality-wise similar, but we're so different that we both were able to bring in all of our people. So it helps that we had the years and years of pals and fellow performers and just just such a pool to pull from um, and a pool of people who like us who want to come and, like, see what we do. So we just continually try to push, you know, things that we want to see and – and really build that trust in our communities and the people who are coming through that even if you don't know anything about, you know, like the show we're putting on at the end of this month, um, that they know if they pay 20 bucks, they're going to have an awesome experience. Sure, so, sure. Um, so I do think hiring the right people has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, pictures and the Internet are, are a huge, huge part of it. Um, and we have an incredible foundation in order to kind of push yeah, that. So. Yeah. I, but I keep hearing, and I think what I'm what I'm figuring out for myself, and this is a little uh, a little selfish, but like what we're trying to figure out is this this process versus product thing, right? Mm-hmm. What we're trying to figure out now that you're a part of this, and I've just uh, pimped you on it. Sure. Uh, but it seems like it's about uh, creating the community, creating the shows, creating the space is really about process, right? Mm-hmm. When we're putting up a play, and you've done play, I've never worked with you directly, but indirectly, I've worked with you uh, doing a play. Mm-hmm. Um, it. The process thing has to matter mm-hmm. because the product really doesn't ultimately mean as much mm-hmm. is what I'm discovering sure. for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't quite know exactly how how I want to phrase this, but like if you're if you're in this business in the arts in the creating art business mm-hmm. or even in the creating art hobby, if you're if you're results oriented, if it's like if it, if it's about how many people you draw, are we selling tickets, are people listening, whatever it is, you're ultimately going to end up disappointed mm-hmm. because you just, you are. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know any other way around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so few shows or so few artists, so few spaces, like, catch fire and become these big, the dream comes true and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, that if you're not enjoying the product or you're not enjoying the creation of it, like, it's just this disappointing road. And I, it's dark, what I'm saying here. Yeah. But it does, fe- it, I don't know, maybe... I don't know. Well, yeah, and I think having a space kind of allows allows that to not happen so often because, you know, when I was producing just my independent events, I mean, so there were like 3 hour, 3 hour events, so I was paying I was paying anywhere between like 3 and 500 dollars just to put on a 3 hour show. Sure. And I always paid my artists, and so we would yeah, we would just and – and sometimes it was just, like, 30 bucks, you know, but they performed for, you know, 10 minutes, 10, 20 minutes, whatever, mm-hmm. for 30 bucks. Like, it is what it is. But, um, you know, it was so easy to walk walk away, like, disappointed or, you know, financially burdened by those shows because I wasn't making $500 plus. You know, I was just giving it all back to them and, and budgeting it in myself. And so if we have an event that kind of falls flat – you know, it's okay because we have all these other events sure. to back it up, um, and we we learn from it, and you know, we kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the process is is very very important, and you know, Laura and I are very committed to quick turnarounds and communication. You know, we put together these con- these uh, contracts that guarantee, you know, what we're going to provide the artist and what we expect from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it should all be very very clear. Um, yeah, and the fact that we're just super flexible with with meeting you where you are, and and it usually just comes down to like who's going to provide the bar and who's going to keep that money from it, you know. Um, 
But but yeah, I mean, the process is very important, us both being very on top of it and and really working together to see how we can how we can really ensure whoever's coming into the space always knows who we are, what we're doing, and that they can get a hold of us. It's it's kind of like it seems very like duh, but there's I mean, I was like almost a grand deep into a promise for one of my first shows when I kind of broke off into producing and was just simply not getting email responses from a venue owner. And so I walked I walked away from the deal and then I got all the emails in the world. Of course. So like almost a grand. And if she would have just answered emails, we would have we would have done the show there. It would right. have been <laughs> It would have been a, a nasty financial lesson for me. Good. Say the name of that person so we can ruin their career. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, and that space doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, that could be for a thousand different reasons. Sure. Um, but, you know, part of me is just can understand a certain degree of it. So, um, but yeah, yeah. All right. So I want to talk about... Um, it's getting. I don't. This is a little more nuts and bolts than uh, than than these episodes typically go, which okay. is fine. Great, which is totally cool. okay. Um, I like that. But what I want to talk about, where I was going, was uh, you created this accountability club thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, are you okay with talking about this? Yeah. Um, you don't have to like give out personal details and stuff. But I remember getting an email. So my when when my artistic world changed drastically overnight, uh, I remember getting an email about this accountability club and being like, "This seems cool," but also I don't feel like I could be accountable to anyone right now, including myself yeah uh we just talked through that a little bit yeah um so yeah i i knew that i wanted to pursue the martin and um i wanted it to be my own venture i have a really bad habit that continues of having an idea not the confidence to do it on my own but the total ability to do it on my own and uh i in no way regret like having a partner for the business it, it would have been silly to say like this is just me um, and it certainly wouldn't be where it is today without, uh, without Laura for sure and the rest of our community, et cetera. But I was going about the Martin in very much like, uh, cause I was stepping away. I knew I wanted to step away from Wirehouse Co., which is the little company that I was running when I was producing events. Um, and so I was like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do any of this, but business plan. Let's just start with business sure. plan. Uh, cause that's what the internet told me to do. So I started looking at it. It's just, it's so intimidating. It's so much guesswork um, because unless you're like, I'm a person who wants to buy that building and I know everything about that building and I can look about, I can look at all the stats of all the people who live around it and how much it costs and the square footage and everything, you're just guessing into the world. Sure. And it was so scary that I would just like open it and like fill out a couple of things and then like walk away from it in terror. And um, I was so used to, a, a theater schedule where you have your off book date, you have your opening night, you have every you have these deadlines, and you have these people who are holding you accountable. Um, and I had none of that for this giant project, and so it came from there. We were approaching the end of twenty seventeen, and uh, and I just put on Facebook like I've got this idea for an accountability club. You know, just just a monthly meeting of people getting together, talking about what they're doing, and just holding each other accountable to basically set up my own like year-long theater production uh is anybody interested and like 30 folks like responded and were like yep 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 so i launched it in january of 2018 and um with about 25 people that were involved and i you know i went to them and i said i'm asking you for a year-long commitment and you know i think it will work best in that way 
uh, we'll see how it goes. And we had people come in and come out, but we ended the year with like 16 still in the group. And the whole premise is we get together and it's not a guilt club. That's what I always lead with. It's not, I'm not here to shame you. I'm not mm-hmm. here to mm-hmm. scold you. You do that enough to yourself if you aren't, you know, hitting whatever goals. And so, or at least I do. Um, and so we uh, individually set three goals a month, a must accomplish, a would like to accomplish, and would be nice to accomplish. Um, and I, it's all like spreadsheet, you know, all Google spreadsheets. Like Type A. I, yes, I provide everything. Um, so I send everybody an email. They have their spreadsheet. They send it out. Um, and then and then we just go away for a month. I, I send a funny GIF in the middle of the month, like encouraging everyone. Um, and then we have a monthly meeting at the top of the next month. We get together. We go through all of our goals. We talk about what happened with them. Um, and then and then again, I rate them. Um so our rating system is uh, either goal accomplished, uh, goal partially accomplished, uh, roadblocks or transcendence, which is something the group came up with together, which is basically like I went for this goal, but I realized that actually I don't want to do that at all. Or I started to do this and it led down this completely different path. Or I tried to do this, but you know the office is closed this month or whatever. Sure. Um, so it was out of your control. And then just straight up like goal did not accomplish. Um, and so, you know, and then I send out data from there on the group goals and how, you know, how successful we were as a group and da-da-da. Um, and so it's just, it's this it's this thing that, that came out of me wanting to accomplish this huge project. And we watched this group of people do so many things in one year. I mean, we had multiple people change careers. Uh, we had, well, Tegan, our mutual pal, finished her first novel which she was already working on anyway it wasn't like born out of the group um brenda who i know you had on the show before she quit her job during accountability club and became you know what she's doing now doing it's all your fault it's all my fault um but then all the way down to like silly silly goals too like it wasn't all like you know it, it didn't all have to be it was never like this is the accountability club to change your life you know it's just a lot of people did and when you have a group of people we're we're a chanty group we we like to yell things at each other, such as quit your job. Um, many people did. <laughs> um, you know, but having, you know, when you, when you just have that seed of an idea in your head or like that desire in your head and, and you have 10 other people in the room saying like, yeah, that's kind of whack. And you live in this huge city, like get another job. If you want to change your career, take that class, you know. And, uh, and so it, it was just like such a positive, happy, like lovely, lovely thing that people were just so excited about. And it just became this thing that was so beyond my expectation i started just having i had i crammed like 15 people in the living room of my apartment and then we opened our doors to the martin in june and so i think our first accountability club in the space was maybe july or august and it was so wild like it was so wild to like start the meeting and be like guys we're like in this space that i started this group for like it was it was really really wild so Um, We had an awesome year, and it was just very much like, let's just try it and see how it goes. Um, And then I wanted to do it again this year. So this year, I I monetized it. I have a a tiny fee. Um, But it was also like, where can this go for me? You know, like, can this be just like an arm of, you know, money that I can bring in that isn't working in an office or whatever? People find it very valuable. People really like it. Um, and I had, so I have two different groups now too. I have an in-person group and an online group. 
Um, I had one like internet pal who was in it last year and she would just send uh, like videos of her goals and stuff and everyone was just really excited and it was really it was a really cute like element to it but so I have 15 people now in my um, in-person group and then I have I believe six or seven in my online Um, so it's it's all the same Um, and with just a little bit more definition and a little more like personalized um, efforts and stuff so that's the basis of it. It's wild. Yeah. It really is wild. I mean, it's a, it, and I, I'm not kidding when I said, like, I was interested. I couldn't, I, at the time, my gut was like, I can't deal with failing in front of 30 people. Yeah. And I think most people think that. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's not, I work, I work very hard to, to make it such a positive environment that no matter what, even if you come in month after month and you're just like failing, fail, quote unquote, failing, 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 not reaching those goals, you know, that we have an open conversation about it. It's like, why are you going down this path because you feel like you should like or can you just like not do you just not have the motivation to run five miles every month or like what whatever those goals are um and then it's a conversation and then we celebrate you no matter what um and then about halfway through the year do you listen are you uh my favorite murder fan I I love comedy podcasts and I love true crime. I do not care for those two. That's fair. In the way that they no. Okay, sure. God, I wanted to. God, I wanted to. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, and I felt like I. I'm like, is it just? Is it misogyny? Is this why I don't like the show? But mm-hmm. also, maybe I just don't like the show. That's fair. Yeah. That's okay. fine. Um, well, I'm a big fan, but something that I that I kind of stole from them is, you know, they are talking, even though it's semi lighthearted, you know, they are talking about these gnarly murder cases. Of course. And then at the end, they do um, a section which I can't say on your radio. Um, F and hooray. That's what they yeah. call it at the end. Um, and and it's like something positive to end this terrible, this terribly dark podcast. on. Sure. Um, and so what we were seeing over like the first six or seven months when we weren't doing this is that people would be like, well, yeah, I didn't run the five miles this month, but it's because I adopted a dog and did whatever, or it's because I got a promotion at work, you know? And it was, and so I just started putting together like a, a month in adulthood goes so quickly. Yeah. It just flies, but it's still 30 ish days that you're doing work and things are happening and you didn't know at the beginning of the month, what was going to happen. And so likely you've done something that's really awesome and should be celebrated as well. And so an additional element to like, if you, if you didn't meet all three goals, you still have something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of it, we call it our total brags. Um, And that's just something to brag about. And sometimes it's just, I hit all my goals groovy. Sometimes it's just, I ate a veg. I mean, we literally had a member who, do you know Becky Blomgren? Is she a pal of yours? Uh, I know. I've met her. But okay, I, yeah. cool. Um, she's been a good pal of mine for, for years now, and she's in it. And and one of her goals that was, like, growing over the year was, like, eat a vegetable every week. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like. Attainable. Yeah, like, because yeah, yeah. she's just, like, she's, like, I just eat, like, carbs, carbs, carbs. And so let's get vegetables in. And then she added in fruit. It was really exciting. But, um, you know, like. It, it can literally be like, you know, I had a vegetable every day this week or, you know, whatever the whatever the brag is. And so we add that element into. So no matter what, you're always celebrated. Um, I kind of give like a very energetic recap at the end of everyone's, um, you know, summary. And then we and then we applaud everyone. And so no matter what happens, you're going to get cheers and applause at the end of your month. All right. So let's use let's do something self-serving. We'll use me as an example. Right? OK. Um, that's right, self-serving. Because uh, here's the thing. So let's say you're. Let's say all I ever wanted, right, was to make art, 
mm-hmm. and make a living making art, right? Mm-hmm. That's all I ever wanted to do. It's the only thing I ever cared about. It's the only thing I've ever cared about my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, I got there, and that's all I did for like a decade. Mm-hmm. Was just everything was art related. Mm-hmm. Whether I was you know teaching workshops or running a nonprofit or actively performing on stage, writing, doing whatever, right? That's all I ever did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get there, and then sometimes like it just goes away, mm-hmm. right? So I'm in this place right now where I am uh, completely rudderless. I have no concept of what the hell to do. I the the idea of getting a full time job like a nine to five forty hour week working in an office literally makes me want to walk into traffic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that lightly. I mean that's the first thought I have when I think about going to an office job mm-hmm. is walking into traffic and never going back. Yeah. Um, is uh, w- and I'm not the only person. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one, right? Mm-hmm. At all. There's a lot of people like me that mm-hmm. are in this boat, and you are a person that uh, is actively like setting goals and making those goals happen and doing things. And I've always felt like I was one of those people that was like, getting it done. I'll just start a theater company. Somehow people will show up. And then they did. And it was like, "Ah, I did it. What do you do, though? Like, what do you do with people that are now a little bit older? Like, they're in Mm -hmm. their 30s. And quit your job is a terrifying prospect for people. Like, how do people even get started with this sort of thing? Incrementally. That's the biggest thing is people, especially you'll see it every January. And that's why New Year's resolutions fail. And that's why year-long, like massive seemingly unattainable things fail it's because people people look at it just like when i was sitting down with this um you know business plan and i just couldn't do it it was because it was like i didn't break it down in a way where it's like just today focus on focus on financials or just today even an element of financials because even financials are too big um i mean i you know i would say i mean if if, if we were if we were in the group i would say okay why can't you do what you did before? Like just with a different whatever, or, you know, are you at this point now? I don't know. I, I'm only 33, 32, 33. I, I haven't gotten to the point where I've like slowed down. I don't, I don't feel like after 30, man, you're really, I, I know I have a lot of natural energy and drive and I, I understand that I, you know, have the capacity I have a larger capacity than a lot of individual human beings but I I just don't believe in like the age thing that should slow you down or tire you or or whatever I think there's certainly periods of time I think we're in disgusting winter nobody wants to do anything I like understand that Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times you do have to be easy on yourself but all that being said I I, it's, it's all incremental you know take it one little thing at a time you know so if you're trying to explore what's next I think maybe go Go do something that you haven't done before. Like, I don't know. Go to more art museums. Go. Are you seeing theater? Are you going out? Are you experiencing? Like, what are you doing? Are you? Oh, we're talking. Yeah. We're not. We're talking the royal. Me. Yeah. Yes. Not the royal you anymore. Actual act- you. Actually, me? No. Um, I work now in uh, a live concert venue. Uh-huh. And I don't particularly like my job, and it doesn't particularly pay well. Yeah. And uh, I don't get the benefits of my health care. got cut off. Like, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. That that's, a, that's a situation I clearly need to leave because yeah. it's not helping me. Right. Um, but it also, it's it's eating up. I'm Sometimes I'm at that theater f- seven nights in a row or whatever it is. So it's really tough to, like, let me just go do a five-minute spot at this show. Let mm-hmm. me go do – let me go see a play. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a thing that I – 
can't really do because mm-hmm. I'm booked every weekend or whatever it is. So the one night a week I have off or the two nights a week I have off, I've got to spend with my partner. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's freezing outside and it's a Monday. I guess we'll just sit in the house. Like I just, yeah. you know, like there's clearly a rut thing going on. And I'm not asking for therapy right here. Um, <laughs> Happy to give it though. But no, no I, but like, I appreciate that. I'm just saying like I know I'm not the only person who is in this position where you just like I don't mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are so many roadblocks in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up roadblocks. I'm using your terminology, right? There's so many roadblocks in the way of just getting to a place where I feel halfway satisfied with anything. Like, yeah. where, where, do, where do you start? And that, mm-hmm. the reason I bring up the the 30s thing is that when you're on the other side of 35, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, you know, maybe I'll go backpacking in Europe for a year. I mean, you can. Why not? You can. But it's it's also the the stakes are way fucking higher. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, you don't have kids, right? No. Like, not that I tell anybody you want. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, I, I think there's just certain factors. One, I mean, we, we, we have the advantage of living where we live. There's, I feel like Chicago has endless possibilities. I'm sure, sure lots of people. Sure. I'm also privileged in, in numerous amounts of way. Um, but, you know, I, it, we live in a place that has a lot of, a lot of ways that, that can inspire you and a lot of options um, on the financial spe- spectrum, like, all over the place. Um I, I think, you know, for me, I'm a person who's all about, I'm a very social person. And so, right, right, right. you know, it's very rare. Like, I don't, I don't need a lot of downtime. I don't need a lot of alone time. I certainly value it to some degree. But, um, but for me, I, I, I needed that pack. I needed people, you know, as much as people now need me and the group, you know, I needed it just as much. And I still participate in it. You know, I, I'm, I'm still an active, I still set goals and, um, you know, am a part of it. And I think that, I think that is something that, that makes accountability club. Like, I don't want to like toot my own horn too much, but I, you know, I, I, but that's what you're here for. Literally. That's, what that's why you're here. Toot, toot. So. Um, well, somebody recently was, was talking to me about it and like how I can, how I can, um, like further monetize it, but also make it, uh, like universal and make it something like a workbook or something that people can pick up and do it. And I was like, well, I don't really know how to get that down because I think a lot of accountability club is me. And you know, I think, I think I can certainly like break down my motivations and da 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 da. But, but do you want it? Is that what you want? To be able to like pass it on. Well, you get these people that create these, the neutral blah, blah, blah system or whatever, right? And I'm just using that as an example of like mm-hmm. all these people join in and they pay a monthly fee and we encourage them. And like, I'm just, you've seen that model has worked. We've mm-hmm. seen it in, uh, certainly in like uh, physical fitness and uh, people that want to build. We're going to arts writing workshop, whatever it is. I mean, it's a model that is possible, mm-hmm. right? That people can, for lack of a better term, kind of copyright and and um uh, uh standardize yeah. something so yeah. i mean it's possible to do yeah. but is that something you want um i mean i i want to like pass on the wisdom <laughs> you know i yeah, want to pass sure. on the word of me but no i mean i i i do want it to a degree of of i don't i don't want people to always feel stuck and i do want people to feel like they can achieve big things in in what however they get there and and to not just beat themselves up and quit in february if if january just didn't happen right um and i and i wish upon everyone like a group of people that we've been able to put together magically um who's created such a cool community through through it um but i don't know i mean it's it's definitely something i've been thinking about because i mean if i could go to to offices or to you know theater companies or or whatever group of people and and say like hey this is this is what i've done and this is what i've tried and this is how i celebrate people 
um, and what they've done and what they haven't done and everything about them. Um, I would like to do that, and especially if I could get paid for it. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, again, like, I, sure. I've always had that dream, but I've, this is the closest I'm right now, like, in the closest to, to making that happen than ever, ever before. So if that could be an arm of it, sure, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, there's certainly a part of it where it's like, well, it's, it's like, it's my baby. And then it's also like, it's, you know, it's, it's our, it's our like community and our group. And will it translate to other people? I don't know. I mean, that's the, the biggest like rolling of the dice right now is with the online group. It's so different than in person, obviously, you know, there's not the riffing back and forth. There's not, it's people I've only met. I only know one of them Hmm. from ever before. And so, you know, there's not yet that kind of relationship. So we're figuring it out, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm, in, I'm I'm interested in watching it. I'm I'm curious because I, I think you're uh, impressive. So, <laughs> and I do, I, I I do. This is the longest we've ever spoken. You realize that? Because I've spoken to you a hundred times, but always yeah. in like two minute chunks. Yeah, we just haven't spent a lot of time together. I realize so. that, and yeah. I also realize that like most of my friends, I only see in this room sure. on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That's uh, fair. Which is a pro- which is its own issue. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, all right, punk rock. Here we go. <laughs> I want to change up just a little bit because you mentioned okay. punk, pop punk and then we diverted and I want to come back to it. Okay. So pop punk, who are the bands? Oh my god! Um, why did Good Charlotte first come to my head? That's just not true. Well, did you know Warp Tour is doing like a twenty-five? I just saw that this okay. morning. Yeah, so I heard about it from some pals at work, but yes, they're doing like a twenty-five year like reunion, and so. Um, I mean, all of them. Why can't I think of a single I just, one? So I just missed. I me. just missed the pop punk thing because I didn't pursue it. But also, I think like it really went to a place of um, mass appeal yeah. right after I graduated high school. Yeah, and I was like, oh, gee, I, I'm too busy for this. I, I don't have time to get into a new thing. Yeah. Uh, also, it didn't appeal to me. But like the, I remember all of a sudden there were bands like uh, uh, pop punk, like your your uh, American. Multiple American things like American Hi Fi was that a band? I think my I sister, know. my little sister, you're, you guys are the same age. Did like a street team stuff for her, okay, uh, or for them. Uh, uh, Saves the day was Saves one. Saves the day. Uh, Taking back Yellow Sunday. Card. Yellow card. That violin. I mean, I don't know who, any of these bands. Who thought about putting a violin in a pop pop punk band? I was so impressed, and I just like drank it up. I mean, Paramore. Um, okay. Yeah. It, but it's it was a scene thing. Like it was totally. there's 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 a dress mm-hmm. code. There was oh, yeah. a, like what I I missed it entirely. Mm-hmm. I don't even know any of these bands. Mm-hmm. Although I know the bass player for Says the Day, strangely enough. because oh. um, he played with another friend of mine. Uh, but what was the draw there? This is high school, I'm assuming? High school into college, all yeah. Right. And I mean, because all my friends were musicians. Sure. Um, you know, so they were all turning me on to it. I mean, Warped Tour was a huge right, thing right, right. for us too. Um yeah, I mean, the Hot Topic culture, like, I was in it, mm-hmm. um, all of it. I mean, it was mostly, like, boy-motivated, you know? Like, okay. I wore the studded belts. I, you know, I we went to Coheed and Cambria concerts. Coheed we did and Cambria. Coheed and Cambria was huge. Like, I still, to this day, like, it just it just feels so good, you know? I love it. But does it feel good? Yes. But isn't all the... I always associate, like, punk and... It, it, excuse the term emo, mm-hmm. but like I, I associate those things with like, I'm feeling bad and I need other people around me to feel bad about it. Um, I think Maybe it feels so good to like, it's just all music that feels amazing to sing along to, you know? Mm. Um, and in college okay. especially, so I live two hours, uh, I went to school two hours South from my hometown. Your hometown so, is St. Charles, Missouri. St. Wow. 
I know nothing about St. Charles, Missouri. You so where'd you go? Wait, where'd you go to college? Uh, Southeast Missouri State University. The economic Cape Girardeau, Missouri. The, the powerhouse that is yeah. that. Okay, so you went there. Um, yeah, and so I would not only the drives between you know home and school, but then also I was in a couple of long distance relationships, and so I would drive a lot. Um, so like both of the Spill Canvas albums, Coheed was great because their albums are so long. And so you just put one on, you know, you don't have to change CDs. Um, so putting in a Coheed and Cambria CD meant like for the next hour and a half, you were golden. You that's know, a lot just, of pop punk. That's well, yeah. And they were more like rock, but like, but that's a lot of rock and roll. It sure is. Yeah. But I just, it's so good to like, it was so fun to like sing with with your friends you know um i remember in in college uh manchester orchestra just started and okay. that first that first album of theirs uh my then boyfriend his best friend like the few of us just driving around like singing mm-hmm. i don't do that with anybody anybody who i'm in a car with singing i'm like are you a singer though no. Oh, well, I'm asking. Not at oh. all. No, no, no. No, but like just like yelling along to that stuff. Oh, it was just so, yeah, it was, it just felt so good. And it felt like I couldn't get enough. You know, it was, the, it was like the only time that I, that I was ever like loyal to a, uh, a record label drive through drive through was mm-hmm. the record. Label, that yeah. was the, that was the record label and anything that they put out, something corporate. Something um, corporate. yeah, like I was just like, I just ate it all up. And so Um, you know, it was like the first time I think probably that I felt like I had like personality, you know, Mm. uh, or like a, anything that wasn't like from my parents or from, um, and it just felt cool. It felt like the first time I was, even though I wasn't cool and, you know, I'm still trying to get there. Who knows? Um, it felt like my first like step into, into coolness. (laughs) So, uh, okay. So I'm going to ask you a series of yes or no questions. Okay. Did you ever date, of the of the boys you dated in the pop punk in that era yeah. of your life, yeah. right? Uh, have you ever, w- did one of your, one or more of your boyfriends have a lip ring? Yes. <laughs> did one or more of your boyfriends uh, have uh, flat ironed hair? Um, yes. I'm not making that yes. up. That was a thing, yes, right? Yes, definitely. Were they the same person? No. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I was just afraid that you were like, well, no, I dated one Pete Wentz lookalike. There was one lip ring, and then the flat hair was eyebrow ring, surprisingly. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Which I didn't love. I had a nose ring. Okay. Which was just, uh, at the time, the gayest thing I had ever done. Sure. It, I just always wanted one. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, so, But it wasn't like a pop, it wasn't a punk thing. I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just thought it would look cool. Yeah. yeah it was, I'm a bad person. But uh, so, lip rings, flat ironed hair, mm-hmm. uh, the studded belt was the thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, okay. Did you... But it wasn't in high school necessarily. Like you didn't wear a black dress to prom. No in fishnets. I, no, no, I was never that. I was like always tomboy, like flare oh. jeans, checkered vans, checkered vans, um, and then like youth large band T-shirts, like the tiny T-shirts. Right, right, right. So I was super not, tight. Okay. Yeah, and like my parents, my parents, while I, you know, my father was heavily tattooed. My my mom has a handful of tattoos. My brother also very and heavily. You yourself are heavily tattooed. I'm fairly heavily tattooed at this point. Yeah, right. they they were not like while they were quote unquote the cool parents. Like they were not. They didn't want me to dye my hair. They they strongly didn't want me to have any piercings. Really? Yeah. Um, Why? I don't know. I mean, tattoos and piercings to them were just two separate worlds. And so, so I had to like beg and beg and beg. My little 14 year old self just wanted a belly button piercing so bad. Oh, 14. That's a little young. 
Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but like, I I don't know. That's like when you do it. I I don't know. My parents are square, the squarest of square. The square, 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 square. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, So the idea that I got an earring at 19 was like, oh, oh." you know, like that was a thing. Yeah. I had my I got my septum pierced in uh, in college and I had that until I got drunk and made out with a dude at a party and it fell out stuck on his lip ring. Oh, damn it. No, That's what I was <laughs> no, that was like ugh, such a mess. And I woke up the next morning and it was gone. And I'm like, oh, well, mm-hmm. um, that's the end to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they were they were very didn't want didn't want tattoos. They would they like suggested that I get. Uh, or didn't want piercings rather suggested that I get a tiny tattoo in, instead of a piercing. Weird. Yeah, yeah. So that's not their jam at all. What did they do? Your parents? Uh, my dad worked for Boeing, so he was uh, he built boxes for bombs and stuff. Was he a, uh, like a, a bike culture or something? Like, wh- wh- um, how was he heavily a fan? Okay. Yeah, and so he he later in life got a motorcycle and stuff and did all that. But no, I think he was just I mean classic rock, you know. So he was just, just like just the type. Yeah, he loved it. Um, Jean jacket, smoking weed, let's party. No, I don't. Mm, I don't think he ever smoked. Well, I'm before sure he, you, before me, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, he passed away before I could ever have those kind of conversations right. with uh, him. That's a bummer. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, also like he never, he really never. My, neither of my parents really drank, and so that was always like a hmm. crazy thing. My mom was married. My my uh, my brother's dad uh, had a drinking problem, and so I think it had a. Uh, I think it, that was kind of the my dad stayed away from it because of that. I don't think he would have like partied or anything if not. But it was like weird. Like I remember we had a. We had a fridge in the garage, you know, the, the garage, oh, I'm very familiar with the, the garage, garage fridge. fridge. Um, and every once in a while, I mean, like once a year, there was a six pack in there and I would, Ooh. I would get like nervous. I'd be like, why is that here? Um, I don't know. Um, so yeah, they were just, but uh, your mom was just tattooed and everything too. She has, I mean, now she probably has like six okay. yeah, little, little ones around. Right. Um, yeah. So she's into it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she's a nurse. So my mom was a nurse. Oh, yeah. But a different type of nurse. Okay. I mean, no. Like, she was not the, um, she was the, she was a little more straight-laced. Okay. Know, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Tattoos, I think, are probably beyond her. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, no, I mean, they're they're cool. They're, like, you know, fashionable folks, and so they're dope. Okay. Like, yeah, my brother's really heavily tattooed now, too. Wild. Yeah. So you fell into pop punk and yeah. then uh, married a musician. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how it goes that's how it goes and then started getting crazy tattooed and um i think like and when that happened i i specifically remember my mom she uh she i think just didn't expect me to go down that road and and even like as i got more and more because i only got um anything that was hidden while i was i started basically in college sure and because uh, my professors were like you can't have any visible tattoos or you will never work a day in your life as an actor clearly true right and I was like, okay, sounds good. And so anything I would get was all like torso, like hidden. Sure, sure, um, sure. And I was like, I just want to swimsuits. Um, and then I came here and my very first show I had like, I had text on my feet and I had a couple of like little like text things behind the back of my legs. And and it, it was her EP theater down in Pilsen. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was like the folks uh, who run Jackalope now kind of grew out of that. Oh, okay. Um, but uh yeah, so that show, that show I had whatever, you know, my costume, my getup uh, showed all of my tattoos. And I was like, I have tattoo cover-up makeup. Do not worry about it. I will. And they were like, no, we don't. That's not what? That's not the yeah. deal. 
Um, and so then it was game on from there. My mother always used to bring up, because my sister's got a lot more tattoos than I do. And she's yeah. got essentially like a full sleeve now. Um, and uh, she... I remember my mother just being like, well, I don't know what you're going to do when you're old. Mm -hmm. Like, no one ever thinks about what they're going to look like when they're old. I remember my, and I just hadn't, was like, I hadn't thought of that either. But my sister was just like, we're all going to look like this. Like, everyone I know is tattooed. And we're all just going to be terrible. We're going to be old and terrible looking anyway. Because that's kind of how old goes. That is how old goes, yeah. So what's the difference if the saggy flesh also has some discolored... bands on it sure i don't know what sure. was your first tattoo it was a tiny nautical star pop punk there yeah, it is yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was wanted 18 them years so old bad. it's blue and red on my hip it looks like trash of so. course it does yeah i wanted a, i wanted pop punk stars i wanted nautical stars because they're cool looking mm-hmm. like they're a cool looking old-fashioned old-timey mm-hmm. design yeah but you immediately have to associate a very specific part of yourself yeah with that star totally and i mean i you know it was it could have been so much worse, you know. Of course. I, and the second one I got, I got uh, on my lower back. It's not a tramp stamp. I hate that phrase. It makes me want it because even if you do have one, who cares? It's your body. You decided anyway. Um, but it's <laughs> it's a nasty phrase. It's it is. A, it's, it's a nasty it's a phrase, phrase. It absolutely that, is. Yeah, and like. I don't know. It's like it's a it's a place on your body that makes sense to have a tattoo. Of course, you of know? course. Well, the first time I ever saw a tramp stamp was my friend's dad had one. He was a biker and he had like yeah. a tribal. He was the and this was like ninety six. Yeah. Like that was way before everyone had them. The, the whole thing came came about like the only type of women that would get a tattoo are also slutty or, or whatever it is. Are yeah. tramps right? Yeah. So then that just became where all the you know whatever. So I understand yeah. how the whatever yeah. how the how it goes. But so what is it on your lower back? Um, so I have two swallows and then um, like music note, like a, a music staff with notes. I'm making no yeah judgment. No connection. Yeah. It's or. not the it's not the tattoo itself. Okay. You heard what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't hate it. I mean, here's no, the thing. I, I'm not dogging your tattoo, but we're talking about like tramp stamp and t- tattoos and it's slutty and it's not. And that's a bad association and it's ugly. And mm-hmm. what's on your what's on the area with they were called tramp stamp Two swallows. Am I oh, the only I one? You I'm are, not crazy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am crazy. Okay. okay. Uh, the thing is, I, I, the thing about tattoos and like, you know, I, I am... <laughs> As a friendly person who, like, works, especially now in the service industry, um, you know, people always want to talk to you about them. I have a lot of yeah, tattoos on my exactly, arms. Exactly. I have, you know, And it's the easiest whatever. way for a dude to be creepy and hit on you. Mm-hmm. Or to touch you or to grab you. Don't ever right, touch right. people yeah, don't. you don't know. Don't touch people like, you don't know. Just, yeah, just don't, have, just don't just touch not, people. Just don't touch people. Just don't touch I don't people. like when people touch me. Yeah. Don't touch me. No, people, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, people always have... Anybody who doesn't have tattoos are like, I, don't, I just don't know what I would get on my body forever. Like, I've heard that a thousand times. You know, and I don't what, – whatever they're saying about me. And I, to me, it is – it's all a timestamp. Like, I, I literally have a, a timestamp from when I was 18 years old. And I was dating that boy, the lip ring boy, you know. Um, and and I, I got the tattoo at, my, at the tattoo shop that my dad liked to go to because I didn't know any tattoo shops. And it was fine. He paid for it. Like your boyfriend paid for it. No, my dad paid oh, for okay. it. Yeah, the nautical star. Yeah, um, I got the the birds on my back. The birds <laughs> um, <laughs> here in Chicago um, on a family trip. My dad also paid with that. The other boy, the flat iron hair boy, boy was here. 
um, he got uh, flames added to his AFI tattoo. If you're AFI, mm-hmm. yeah, that's you. American Function Institute. Mm-hmm. What does AFI stand for? American Film Institute. I, don't, I mean, I don't. But that was a band. No, AFI, yeah, right? no, I it was it. a of. A flame, a, a flame inside, a, f- a fire, a, a fire inside? inside, a fire oh. inside. So there he got is. flames on his, a fire inside. So he got the fire outside. That yes. joke, a joke was so stupid, but it mm-hmm. was there. It I was had there. To, someone pulled yeah. the goalie. I had no, to he loved, he he loved that band very much. Um, but yeah, so you know, I have those memories of those times, and there's so much shit on my body. Sorry that um, I I regret. I mean, of course, me too. You know, I have matching tattoos with people that I should have never gotten matching tattoos with. I have an avocado on my arm that people comment on almost on a daily basis. You know, but... You have an avocado on your arm? mm -hmm. Why an avocado on your arm? The Pearl Jam record? I thought it was funny and cute. Like, I just was, you know... I was really into them. Um, really into avocados? Yeah, they're really tasty. <laughs> I was really into modern one saturated fat. It was like eight years ago, and I was like, yeah, that'd be a cool tattoo. And I mean, it. you know, I got it done by a traditional tattoo artist yeah. that I go to here in the city, and like, the, it Who still looks good. Um, I mostly go to Great Lakes Tattoo. Oh, I know um, So the dudes moved from um, Chicago Tattoo on Belmont yeah. and opened their own slot. They do, they do a lot of my sister's work. Yeah, and they used to. I used to work in a sandwich shop, and they were always very nice and made very large Grubhub orders oh, and nice. sent nice notes. And I would send nice notes to them. Yeah, they're legit. Cool. That's avocado. We. I. I don't know. We all. I've got. I got a Malort tattoo, which okay. is a which is a spot of pride. There are a, there are about a couple dozen of us, I think, in the city that have Malort tattoos. Mm-hmm. We're all bar, all former bartenders or current active bartenders. Mm-hmm. Um, now that Malort is becoming now that Malort is like the Logan Square of liquor. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to regret it. Yeah, because it was. But also, you're right. Absolutely, time. The reason I bring it up it's timestamp, right? Yeah. It was. I re- specifically remember the day, the why, why we did it. It's a matching tattoo with a buddy of mine. You know, it was a very specific time in my life. So yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad that I approached tattoos the way that I did, out of like fear for never getting cast, because you know all of my earliest stuff is all hidden on my torso, you know, and so really the avocado is like the big thing where I'm like, why did I put that on the inside of my arm? And so everybody is like, well, why did you get an avocado tattoo? Um, which my which my response is, have you ever eaten one? And when they say yes, I say, then you know why. And then I just walk away. Yeah. That's my that's my go to, you know. And but people are there just so they're just so nosy, and it's something that you have to get used to when you when you have yeah. this artwork on your body, I guess. But and also, who cares? Like, yeah. I mean, the artwork on your body and, like, having tattoos you don't like. We all have tattoos we don't – not we all, but a lot of us have tattoos. I have at least two I don't like. Yeah. Um, it's like, what's – what's who cares? Like, yeah. if you like yourself – Yeah. Which I don't. But if you like <laughs> yourself, um, who cares if you who, who gives a shit if your body looks terrible? Mm-hmm. Like, if you've got dumb tattoos. Mm-hmm. So what? Right. What, what am I – I'm again. I'm over thirty. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? I'm not going to pick up chicks at a bar anymore. Like, come on, it's not going to happen anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I mean, I love it. I love. I love how it looks on me. I'm. I'm excited to to see where where it goes. Like, I'm glad that I. I remember a lot of specific ideas that I just simply couldn't afford in my earlier days or in college or whatever. Like, I really wanted to get something on my chest, and I'm so glad that I didn't. Um, you know, just like stuff like that. Yeah. And so even though, even though I've made a couple of choices that now I'm like, well, that was dumb. You know, it, it's not, it's not tattoos on your chest dumb, which I, I love chest pieces if, if they're done nicely, you know, yeah, but sure. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
lightning round. Here we go. Last okay. couple questions. Here we go. Because we got to wrap it up here. Okay. So, uh, first of all, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were young? What was the first thing you remember wanting to be? Veterinarian. Veterinarian. Yeah. And that just never. Well, I thought that being a veterinarian really involved. Um, <laughs> like volunteering at a puppy shelter just and just, hu- just, just hanging out with mostly, puppies and hugging? Mostly yeah. hanging, yeah. But yeah. I remember um, I had a, like my dog growing up would go out. We had a big backyard and come back in, you know, burrs, like those little prickly burrs. Course, yeah. And so I would like sit and like methodically like pick it out of his fur. And I thought that's kind of what being a vet was. Mm. Um, and then when I learned it was about like surgeries and expressing anal glands. Exactly. I, yeah, okay. I said, no, thank you. So that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, first record you ever bought with your own money. TLC, crazy, sexy, cool. Yeah. I'll tell um, I'm so glad you had it like in the chamber that you were ready for it and that you that, and that it's a seminal important mm-hmm. important record. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's good. That was that's it. good. Mine was uh, Motley Crue's Doctor Feelgood okay. on cassette. There it is. Bought at a Kmart at least five years after it was out because the you know dirtbag kid who lived next door sure w- was into Motley Crue and I wanted to be him. Okay. Um. So okay, that's good. Yeah. Uh, it was on CD. I'm assuming. Yeah. Bought it with your own money. Yeah. First CD I ever had was uh, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. Okay. That's right. That's right. And the first CD I ever bought was R.E.M.'s Monster. Great. Yeah. See? Okay. See that? I get it. Uh, I was expecting a different reaction. That's fine. Um, (laughs) 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 All right. Last question. What's the worst, worst show you ever did? Worst uh, could be did single you see perf- carrier, but I'm just no. <laughs> <laughs> it could be single single performance or uh, uh, overall play bad night whatever it is. The worst show I ever did was called the Observatory, and it was run by this man. And I wish I remembered his name because I would say it because I directed everyone to never work for him again. Yeah. But we did the show. I mean, we did all the rehearsals in his basement for one. Um, it was a finished basement, but it was still at his house in his basement. And then we did the mm-hmm. play, which was terrible. It was a terrible show, of course. Um, at the what's that? What's that uh, spot on Fullerton that used to be a funeral home, but now is a? Um, but but now it's a next door to the Burlington. Yeah, like in yeah, that area. What's I it called? I took annoyance classes there. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so we did it there. Uh, we did one. There was like five or six shows or whatever. Sure. Um, and we did one show and I was so over it. I was like, I hate these people. Like my castmates were fine, but like the people who ran who ran it, like I hate it. I hated it so much, but I was very much like, just get through it, show up, do the work and then go. And after the first night, they pulled me aside. Like when I showed up the next night and they were like, we're actually going to have you sit out tonight. We're going to put on the understudy, and we'd like for you to sit and watch their performance. Eat a bag. Totally. And 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 then we can like discuss how this will go from you go for you from here. And I didn't know what to do. I was it was one of the first. Sh- I was That's like maybe two years into like the terrible. scene, and he very much was in this way of like I have influence over the world. Oh, and uh, and so I. I like left. I, I called my. I went outside. It was so cold. I called my boyfriend. I was like, I can't. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can sit and watch this show. And he was like, Then don't. Yeah. But I did um, because Missouri guilt. And so mm-hmm. I sat and I watched the show, and it was torture. And then the second it was over, I got up and I booked it out of there. And luckily, do you know Chris Conley? I do know Chris Conley. Okay, so I was in. I Chris Conley had just come into my life. I was working on a show with her uh, at the same time, and so we oh, were, I know a dude named Chris Conley from. Uh, saves the day. No, I just know a guy named Chris Conley. Oh, 
this is a woman. Named yes. Chris okay. Conley. That's okay. Great. I don't. Um, that's right. I was Chris like, oh, Conley, we know the same person. Chris right. Conley is also <laughs> in Saves the Day. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So went to them. Uh, we were in rehearsal, and I was like, this is this is the scenario. I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to go to the show tonight, and they were like, no, no, no. That's not how this Once works. Once you've been pulled, yeah. Yeah, like don't you don't go you don't go back there. Yeah, you don't let people. people, yeah. And so I was like, "All right." And I was like in this room and they're like, "You call them right now." And you and I was like, "Okay." I will. And then got on the phone and I was like, "Yeah, shove it basically." And like, "I'm not coming back." And that, that's insane. And so that was and it felt so great. And also uh, coming all the way back to accountability club and you know, having that group of people like high five me when it was over and say like, "Yeah, that's not how this works." And who's that guy? Literally nobody knows that guy. Um, but Chris Conley had worked with him in something else, and she was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like him behavior for sure. I need more friends in my life that tell me what to do. No one tells me what to do because I'm so um, me. Sure. So like people are just like, uh-huh, hello, I'll keep myself – I keep people at a safe distance so they like – I don't know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But like I, I want someone to just be like, hey, this is what you're going to do with your life. I just need – you need those people in your life. And the reason I'm bringing this up is uh, I think Accountability Club is a rad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's um, – uh, obviously doing really well and i think that i think more of us need to be around people that are just good like friends that are just like call that guy and tell him to to swallow a parking cone like you know what i mean like it's yeah. we just we you need you got that. a tegan in your life though i, I do think te- tegan is yeah you know i know and i do and i love to like we're, we're very but we don't our relationship isn't like that yeah. like we know a lot about each other we spend a relatively amount a big amount of time for me yeah. uh together but like yeah we don't she's never like she's like this is what you gotta do with your life you know yeah what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm so rarely that person to my friends like that any time that I have been it's been like monumental um but yeah yeah no I agree it's I I also have not had a lot of those those times and that But those are great moments. Yeah, because like you again like I was just so afraid that like I'd never work again, you yeah. know, and when you have somebody who's saying that to you like for the first time like on TV, you know, <laughs> I was like, well maybe what if we done never work again, you know? So it's just yeah, it's not that's not how you do it. That's not how you play the game. You should never ever threaten anyone or remove them from a show after they've that's, worked no, for that's you forever. That's bad. For news. no reason other than we can tell that you're no longer enjoying this experience, but I was still showing up. I was still doing the work. I wasn't phoning it in, you know, huh. like I'm a professional person, yeah. but they just could tell that like, I wasn't like, I wasn't drinking their Kool-Aid anymore. And so it was over. So congratulations on having the biggest bummer of all in the worst, uh, worst show I ever did. Really? I've asked that question to like lots of people and that's oh. the biggest bummer. Yes. <laughs> it's usually just like, all right, listen to this ridiculous crap. Right. And it's all, usually those are the stories and you're like, no, here's an actual time that it was really sad. And I'm like, ah, yeah, sad. it was bad. Um, cool. Plug yourself, uh, social media, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so you can find my personal stuff on uh, Instagram is really the jam, I guess. Uh, w underscore Courier, C-U-R-I-E-R. Uh, the Martin, everything is at The Martin Chicago. Facebook, Instagram, our website, everything, uh, The Martin Chicago. So check us out. At The Martin Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Whitney Courier uh, has been here. I Thanks for coming today yeah. as I switch mics and slide over here. Yeah, it's, cool. it's, uh, good it was good to talk to you. Peace and well. um, I hope uh, I hope everything's great. I, I think you're you're kicking ass and taking names and I'm very impressed by you. Thanks, man. Uh, it's real. You, let's let's play a little Kelly Stoltz. Uh, the rest of you bust them out. Uh, B-U-S-T-E-D-M-O-U-T-H. You know how to spell it. You know how to do the shots. Uh, bust them out at gmail.com if you have uh, insights, questions, that sort of thing. You need some advice? From a bad person, send it. I don't know. Not, 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 not Whitney. Me. I will give you bad advice. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, but also, if you're listening on uh, iTunes, give us a give us a good five star rating and maybe a nice little review. I don't care what the review says. Just uh, give us the ratings. Just do it. I don't know. 
I'm so exhausted. All right, I love you. Bye. Bye.